welcome back to the Hex Drinkers House of Commons, your one-stop shop for all things competitive and at the common rarity. Today, I'm always joined by Chev, of course. Uh, what an unexciting face, but... True. But, from the far-off land of the PDH pod, we're joined by your resident PDH PhD. I think I got the epithet correct. Liam, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? <laughs> uh, I'm just ecstatic to have you here. We are... Uh, the two best PDH focused pods in the land are collaborating um, in this most in this week to That's uh, true. do a little little guest residency, if you will, um, with yeah. this new set that we've got coming out. And the crazy thing is, Liam only costs a thousand dollars an episode. So if you want him on yours, that's that's where all our Patreon money's going. Oh uh, no, y'all y'all got the discount rate. If anyone else wants <laughs> yeah. me, it, it costs the more friends for and being, family. <laughs> yeah, for for being a non PDH podcast, it, it it's it's two thousand. Ah, yes, of course. Of course. Yeah, I got to pay those school code. bills somehow, man. <laughs> <laughs> very true, very true, very true. Are you teaching over at uh, Talaria by any chance? Uh, I am not teaching at Talaria. I am teaching at uh, Lotnam. Ooh. Yeah, I'm okay, doing my okay. I'm doing my uh, residency program at Lotnam, but uh, uh, hopes to teach at uh, Talaria uh, next semester, yeah. We'll keep our fingers crossed for you over here. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Maybe one day my yeah. spark will ignite and I'll get to visit Strixhaven. Ooh. Well, you know that <laughs> I, I I gotta think, like, of all the, the planes, if I were to step out in one tomorrow, unfortunately it would probably also end in my death. But I'd wanna go to Innistrad. Ooh, yeah. I, well I like the, it. I like the zombies. <laughs> the good news about you know, Innistrad is life continues after death. You know, they they say that, but I don't think it continues <laughs> in the same way. Like if I had to pick which 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 of the undead of Innistrad, Liam, um completely off the cuff. Which one would you want to come back as? Ooh. Uh, gosh, put me on the spot. You've got spirits, zombies, vamp- vampires count. Right, yeah. I, I would say um, vampires count, undead. There's some old drawsy there, too. They're, yeah, they're, I, I, I don't think they were ever alive. They're just they're, they're just Yeah. I don't know. I think I would probably want to come back as vampires because you're less likely to be on Olivia's uh, crap list and yeah that does seem like a, uh, a bad list to be on <laughs> yeah um and werewolves aren't technically undead otherwise i would i would be a werewolf oh, but if, man, if we're un- my own heart if we're undead probably vampires uh yeah and because they they get to use the blood tokens and that's just cool so <laughs> bringing it back that is way better than uh, the rant i was gonna go on yeah i'd also <laughs> pick vampires uh mostly because Zombies, I don't think they have agency, and if I came back and no. all I could think about is eating squishy brains, that's that's no li- life I want to live, you know? So, yeah, vampire and, for me. And spirits, is it really living? It's, I, I guess you get to possess people Ghostbuster style every once in a while. No, they're that's, vibing. The spirits fun. are like, I would pick spirits. Spirits are vibing. Get to hang out with the guys in St. Traft. Yeah, me and St. Traft. See, know, we've all- <laughs> I, I would have chosen spirits if we didn't just see Kaya on it in a strand. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that scares me a little bit. That the, the days of spirits are numbered uh, when Kaya yeah. shows up. Yeah. We've we we've gone a little far afield. We're, we're here <laughs> to do. We've got a new set coming out um, this week, the Brothers War, and we want to talk about it, especially how it relates to the uh, competitive format. But first, it's time for our ongoing segment. Julian, you had a PDC game this week. Yeah, I don't want to talk about this one this time. <laughs> All right, moving on. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this quick. I uh, I lost again, so Ooh. we're 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 riding the struggle bus. 
Um, but I do think there are a few uh, good things to take away. I played against Naptown Hustle. Shout out to uh, Naptown Hustle. Big fan of Annapolis when I went to school down in Maryland. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming that's what the Naptown is. If it's, different now, if it's a different Naptown, I'm very confused. Uh, <laughs> but they were playing a Disciple of Deceit deck. Uh, so we've, we've come full circle. The biggest thing for me is... I need to find where I... Where did I put the thing? Here we Pause go. Pause for finding notes. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, so we've we've come full circle. We are just playing a blue black deck, and this, this might as, this honestly this might as well be a CPDH deck. Uh, D- Disciple of Deceit. For those who do not know, I think it is is uh, blue and a black for a one three human rogue. It's got inspired, which means whatever it becomes untapped, we're going to trigger some ability. In this case, we may discard a non land card, and if we do, we're going to search our library for a card with the same converted mana cost as that card. Reveal it, put it into our hand, shuffle our library. So this allows us to tutor. Uh, I'm smelling combos, Julian. You're giving away. You're, you're, you're giving away. You're giving it away. Uh, so this is uh, this is a Demir deck. This is very much a best of yeah PDH sort of staple sort of thing. Like like I said, this this very much smelled to me like a CPDH deck. And uh, spoiler alert: I did get comboed on the uh, mm. the infamous ghostly flicker, Archaeomancer, uh, Peregrine Drake combo. Um, we. Uh, we went for wait. It's an oldie but a goodie. It is. It is an, it is an oldie, oldie but a goodie. goodie. We did. We did. I did manage to take a game. So I went. I went one two against this list. Uh, the game that I won, game two, um, I was firmly in control. Got to get out a few of my pingers as well as Electrode and pretty much did the standard thing. The audience has heard enough by now about how my deck functions. Uh, quick reminder. You know, hypothetically, if I was a, a guest on this podcast and was unaware what what your deck might be. Oh yes, yeah. so my deck, um, <laughs> my deck is all about slinging, slinging spells and uh, and, and and pinging the opponent. So Jelectrode untaps whenever we uh, cast an uh, instant okay. sorcery. Jelectrode. And, okay, uh, I was waiting for the commander. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Jelectrode. That, that should tell you all you need to know. Yeah, <laughs> and, 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 you know, it's it's joined Jelectrode, by the hundred percent there. <laughs> yeah, Jelectrode is joined, of course, by the Avengers level threat of Thermo Alchemist and yeah. Flame Breather, Fire and Archer, all the great stuff, and then just as many. Uh, burn spells and cantrips as possible. Uh, so really trying to go fast. Uh, it's had mixed results so far, but uh, when I do get to kind of lock the board down, uh, we can take a game. So we got that. Um, but the other two games were super grind fest. I this was literally like a two and a half hour set Ooh. of games. It was it, yeah it was it was a it was a grind fest um, for real. Uh, but yeah, um, Naptown Hustle with Disciple of Deceit. Um, for me, my biggest my biggest. Um, thought going into it was I was like, I cannot let Disciple of Deceit ever trigger. No. So it was one of those things where I was killing it every chance I got, which I almost think was a bit of a mistake because uh, just them being able to continuously cast Disciple of Deceit, they're playing a good amount of lands in here, um, was taking away resources from my hand, which I'm already a deck that uses resources very liberally. Mm-hmm. Um, and then them just having all these other super powerhouses of, of cards in the, in the PDH format um, just to play and continue to accrue value was, uh, you know, ridiculous. We've got things like Crypt Rats, we've got Fleshbag yeah. Marauder. I mean, you're in blue-black. You've got uh, everything you could possibly want. You can get back all your instances and sorceries. Um, you can murder anything that hits the board and bring it back. With a value engine like that, it, it's really hard to kind of take it offline when the rest of the deck can be so grindy that really the, the commander is redundancy. You know, you, you're trying to get that combo finish. The commander just helps you get there. So if you can stall the game out long enough to just get the pieces yourself, the commander's unnecessary, and it's just a target for removal. So you can kind of work in the in the shadows. Yeah, we're um, 
we're doing all the normal stuff. I mean, we've got a few transmute cards in here. We've got things like Trinket Mage, which can get us something like a Viridian Longbow. And the few times that they did get to resolve the uh, Disciple of Deceit trigger, it's really just like, what do I need in the moment? Do I need a removal spell? Do I need a combo piece? Can I start building towards a, a larger board? Um, so it, it was just always crippling. And like you said, Chev, I did end up actually getting uh, comboed out for the win with the... Uh, with the uh, the killing blow being vampire spawn, uh, a two and a black from, uh, I believe that's the AFR set symbol. Yep. When it enters, each opponent loses two life and you gain two life. And, um, I, you know, I thought I was cute because I was able to, they, uh, they generated infinite mana, you know, mm -hmm. as you do. And then they played vampire spawn and they were like, okay, now I'm going to ghostly flicker and attempt to flicker this infinitely right. Um, with this in the Archaeomancer, and I was like, well, I've got Lightning Bolt, so with that on the stack, I'm going to remove your target, uh, no vi vampire spawn, and they were like, okay, um, well, I'm just going to get back, uh, <laughs> I'm just going to um, get back Unearth <laughs> with my Archaeomancer, <laughs> and <laughs> reanimate <laughs> reanimate vampire spawn, and then just uh, proceed, as usual, <laughs> yeah. so we're, uh, we're chilling, but uh, you know. I had the moment. I had they the gave moment. you the thumbs up and just uh, did it anyway. Yes, yes, precisely. Yeah. <laughs> You've got it, buddy. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. I, I hope you're happy. <laughs> I, you know, I, I was happy for a split second. Um, good uh, good little Monarch slash initiative package in here. Mm. We've been seeing that. That always is providing we, a ton of value. That is brutal in PDC. And, of course, things like... Uh, Moonstar prototype, which we, uh, we saw, we discussed recently as well, which is a, a huge pickup. Um, but yeah, the biggest thing for me was this is, like I said, this is basically just a CPDH deck. Like, I'm, I'm really wondering if I should abandon all conceptions of this being, since it's a one-on-one -on -one format mm -hmm. and we have less life and it's, it's theoretically more aggro faster, um, maybe I should just be taking essentially what are CPDH decks uh, and slightly tuning them for my PDC matchups. So, um, I mean, that's less work for me, <laughs> frankly, <laughs> it, but, it, uh, you know. <laughs> it does stand to reason that the best commons would be the best commons uh, across the board. But I definitely like how, at least for this first league, uh, you made a deck completely from scratch and were able to try it out and see, you know, can we capitalize on the fact it's 1v1 at a, a base level as opposed to taking a deck that works in a multiplayer format and just fine-tuning it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I definitely enjoyed making the list, and I have I have a ton of good data to, uh, to tweak it and... Uh, <laughs> Hope it hopefully make it a bit more potent. Um, I believe I only have one or two more matches left, so uh, the league will be over soon. And uh, after that, I definitely want to uh, bring a bit more of brewing and theory crafting from mm -hmm. uh, from PDC onto the pod. So stay tuned for that and let us know uh, what sort of things you might want to hear about. Liam, do you have any uh, experience with one v one popper commander? Uh, I do not have any experience with explicitly one v one PDC. Uh, I, I have played a couple of one v one PDH games uh, where like friends and uh, I yeah. were the only mm -hmm. ones out of a pod right now, and we do a one v one with our regular PDH decks. Right. <laughs> uh, but I've I've not played yep. any uh, PDC games specifically. Uh, I'm I'm just trying to grow the PDH community in my area right now. Um, oh yeah, no, one step at a time. <laughs> but, for sure, but uh, no, I I definitely like the approach of just starting from scratch. You know, getting a commander, building it from the ground up. Mm -hmm. uh, I I definitely think everyone should. Everyone who who likes the the data and the 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 grind almost yes. should have a a pet deck like that in a format they enjoy. Where you know they took it from square one and just you yeah. know they've they've gathered all the materials and data uh along the way themselves and and just you know they become known for that deck specifically and it sounds like you've got that with Gelectrode. 
I'm I'm hoping so. Hopefully, I can bring him to new heights. Do you have a, a deck like that that you are? That's really your your baby that you've been uh you know through thick and thin with. <laughs> Uh, in EDH, uh, I have had a couple of decks that were like that. Um, they were, it was originally, uh, Rehan Ishai, uh, and then that became too popular, so it was Yuriko for a while, <laughs> and then Yuriko became too popular, uh, so I dropped that one for Ruxa, Patient Professor. Uh, oh, and okay, so you're going that, vanilla. That archetype uh, has started to become more fleshed out with more commanders like uh, Jasmine Boreal, and mm. there was a green-white one in a recent set. I couldn't tell you what set. Uh, I think it was in the, <laughs> uh, I think it was the Dominator United box toppers. There was another green-white one uh, alongside Jasmine, where they cared about vanilla mm. tokens, and the thing is that's still green-white. It's not back to mono green yet. Uh, so I think I'm safe with Ruxa for a little bit longer. Uh, but yeah, so that's that's me in the EDH realm. Uh, in PDH, I actually have uh, an Ethos One Sphinx deck that I've been working on uh, diligently. Uh, I've I've not put together a a an online list for it yet. It's still in my my paper realm. For those who know how I brew, yeah. I, I brew on paper first. Um, hmm. So, but I'm hoping to to make a, a digital list here soon. It looks like it's coming together, uh, and. That that may end up being my PDC list, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> uh, dibs on the exclusive distribution rights on um, Aetherstorm Sphinx from Liam here on the Hextrickers podcast. <laughs> you, heard, yeah. you heard it here yeah. first. Yeah. <laughs> heard it first. Exclusive break. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, that's that's kind of me in the, the PDH realm right now. I'm just kind of working on that deck when I can, honestly. It's... Mm-hmm. it's my life is a bit chaotic for those who follow me <laughs> yeah. on a PDH pod. So when I get the chance, I work on that. Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, that it's good to have something, right? Like I, I see it, it kind of with pet decks specifically when I'm not, you know, pulling decks from a database or something like that. It's it, it kind of like tending to the garden, you know, exactly. you, you, and it's, you do it's it like, when you, when you have a little bit and it, you just want to spend some time messing around. It's like people who, you know, do woodwalking as a hobby or, you know, model trains and like they have, you know the the village that they're creating for model trains or they have like the table they're creating yeah you know it's 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 a little less useful in real life uh but it it's still i feel i find it not just that same spot of the soul of just something to yes. just come back to and and just walk on and tinkle with mm-hmm. and that is i i before we move on to to the actual content of this episode <laughs> i do want to make one more one more point here um that is what i really like about brewing in paper i i recently Again, we, we promise we'll, we'll come back to PDH, but I, we'll come back. it's it's hard to to uh, to neglect the the EDH for a minute. But I I just did that with a, a Blanca Ferocious Friend uh, deck where I had an idea for it and I didn't have all the cards, so I was just looking through bulk, looking through whatever, finding yeah. just whatever works that targets. And I have so many bad cards in there, but it was so fun to just put it together <laughs> organically. As opposed to, you know, look on EDH rec or even Scryfall is an amazing tool, but it also, yeah. you know, you get a little, you get a little lazy when you can go O colon uh, target creature and then find all the cards <laughs> and sort by EDH rank. Like it's, it, it's not exactly deck building the way it used to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, I appreciate those tools, but my problem, my problem with EDH rec, my only problem with EDH Let's rec. Let's start some beef. Let's no, no, start no, no, some no, beef. No, 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 no. I, Don't get me wrong. Do it, I do love it. No. Trek. I love EDH Rec. I love all the articles. I love the site. I yeah. love the podcast. My only problem with EDH Rec, 
as a as a site and concept is the fact that they can create the segment challenge the stats in their podcast and make it successful because magic is a very complicated game with so yes. many variables no database ever could realistically capture that and because it is entirely crowdsourced data on EDHREC, people mess up rules all mm. the time Ooh. and I, only problem with EDHREC is that stuff gets through the cracks on almost every page. And, like, <laughs> I can see it because I'm a judge. And I, I see a card, I'm like, that doesn't fit. It's got a 72% <laughs> rating, and it shouldn't be on this page at all. And it's infuriating to look at. That's, um, that's got to be so, so rough. <laughs> I, I have to use the advanced features and be like, I want recommendations that don't include this card. <laughs> um, oh, wow. So, like, the advanced features are amazing. Uh, I love them mm -hmm. because of that. I can exclude cards specifically be like, I don't want to see a deck list that has this card in it because this person doesn't know what they're doing. It's a, um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to all the crowdsourced uh, players out there. I, I, am, I am one of you. Uh, but... <laughs> Yeah, no. Uh, it's kind of that... like uh, being a judge has to be kind of seeing behind the curtain a little bit. Where not not saying that the the magic is taken away, haha. -ha, but <laughs> you you do get you, you do get those moments where you, you see the the um, I'm thinking of a word starts with an F. The the man the being not perfect. What's folly? The folly of man. That sounds ah, okay. intense for this uh, podcast. I'm but... taking applications for a new co-host. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're getting philosophical here, so we, we should probably wrap this up and get to get to the, the anyway. Topic. I mean, did you guys know? What was that, Liam? Uh, you're not wrong, uh, but <laughs> part of the pucks is you're at events and you get to you get to see stuff unfold in real time. You know, you get mm -hmm. to explain things that players are like, oh, cool, I never knew, you know, I never realized it would work that way, and then you get to see other things where like. Judge, my opponent pointed a counter spell at my Omnath that I used Cavern of Souls to cast that's naming elementals. Yeah, mm. I mean, you're, they're legally allowed to do that, but do we do any backups? No, Omnath is a legal target for that counter spell. So what happens? The counter spell does nothing. Omnath can't be counted, but he's a legal target. Jeez, yeah. Welcome, welcome to modern folks. Um, <laughs> we, we try that, and stay far whoa, whoa, whoa. away We're from We're at the those common <laughs> rarity here, Liam. Come on. <laughs> I'm sorry. Neither I'm sorry, of I'm sorry. us. I'm sorry. I can talk about too many formats. Um, yeah. Okay. Back to back uh, to PDC. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, speaking of speaking of commons, did you guys know that we have a whole a whole batch of new commons? Uh, it would turn out it would turn out that periodically Wizards of the Coast, you know the company that publishes the periodically is a strong word here. The trading card game Magic the Gathering. Um, Every they periodically day. come out with yeah with with new expansion sets that have new cards. Which happened well, to be at the common rarity. This is true. Wow. In this case, they have one of the best set codes of all time, bro. Mm -hmm. Bro. I wish it was bruh, but you did know. You see because... the, did you see the next set code? It's one. What? Oh, that's amazing. And, uh, and have, the have retro, you seen the... The retro. Yes, the retro. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Sorry, Julian, you're trying to keep us on track God, here. I'm, we... really, I'm really doing my best. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> so let's be real. This is, this is mostly Wizards' fault. It's not our fault. Anyway. Yeah, it is. We do have, uh, yes, the new set, Brothers War, which is releasing uh, when this comes November out. November 18th. Which will be in a few days from mm -hmm. when this comes out. Um, yeah, so we are going to take a take a look here on the House of Commons. We're going to look at the competitive side. And if right. you tune into the PDH pod, you'll hear about uh, the wider PDH realm mm -hmm. as a whole. But we're going to talk about some cards that we think are going to see play in CPDH. Liam, you're our esteemed guest. 
why don't you start us off with a, a few of the cards that you're a little intrigued by? Yeah, sure. Uh, so the f- the first one that I want to uh, talk about today is actually not a new card. It is a reprint in this set. Mm. Uh, we love which reprints. I had to explain to my lovely co-hosts here. Uh, <laughs> we did gonna, not know it was a reprint. It we'll was cut, we'll just, cut it was this part out. <laughs> yeah. We'll cut this part out. Okay. They um, can never so know. <laughs> the the card uh, the the new card is curate. Uh, mm-hmm. Curate. <laughs> is a fairly simple card. It is one in the blue for an instant. It reads, Surveil 2, draw a card. Uh, this card was actually first originally in Strixhaven, uh, at common. Mm. And it read, mm. uh, look at the top two cards in the library, da-da-da-da-da, yes. draw a card. Uh, so I don't know uh, how in tune the PTC community might be in with all the Oracle updates that happen, uh, but it was about two, three weeks ago, uh, a bunch of random cards got updated uh, to actually say Surveil. Uh, you know, yeah. when it came out in 2018 and Wizards of the Coast was like, oh, this isn't going to be evergreen and it's probably not going to be deciduous. Uh, and, you know, we're just we're just going to print the surveil effect, but not print surveil. And then mm-hmm. they printed Consider and Midnight Hunt and everyone got upset. Uh, yeah, everything says surveil now. It's great. Uh, so while Curate is not a new card, it does have new functionality by reading surveil. Uh, and I did want to point it out specifically because... It is new Oracle text printed in this version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think uh, Demir Spybug is is making it onto the uh, the no. database anytime soon. Um, but it is it is important to know, and it, it's it's a good cantrip, right? Um, yep. Curate oh, is really is probably in some list for Crackling Drake. It's probably in some list for um, uh, Murmuring Murmuring Mystic. Yeah, probably. I mean, yeah. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm sure a ton of lists can make use of, like you said, we're playing a ton of cards that just cantrip. There's a ton of things that yeah. trigger off casting instants and sorceries. Uh, we might even, we'll even be talking t- about yeah. one of those pretty soon. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and also, of course, obviously the graveyard synergies can never be um, overlooked. So, yeah, Curate is definitely a card that we love to see reprinted. Not that it was breaking any banks, but, uh, you know, people might have yeah. forgotten about it. And now that mm-hmm. it does have the updated Surveil 2, uh, it just looks a lot cleaner as well. And An incredible flavor text, too. I'll go ahead and agree with the uh, show notes and that it is a strict uh, deliberate upgrade, which is one of the blue yes. for Scry 2 draw cut. Uh, I, 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 I just I dropped deliberate think... into a, a Talrand EDH deck, so yeah, I, I, I will be making the swap, hopefully with <laughs> a, a pre-release common. Um, but yeah, no, I, I definitely think uh, Surveil is stronger than Scry. Uh, I have plenty oh, of people sure. that will argue with me on that, but they've they clearly never played a graveyard deck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or played with their graveyard. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I definitely think uh, this reprint is nice. It's got some new art. It's got new Oracle text. I will be sure to swap out all of my versions because of the Oracle text, because I will absolutely forget it says Surveil. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, so I'm excited about that. You ready to move on? Card good. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited about a new... So let me, let me preface this by saying uh, a majority of the cards that we've decided to discuss today are not things that are going to... Um, completely turn the format on its head. No. Uh, yeah. There's nothing, anything crazy that's providing new effects. A lot of these are just excellent redundancy and efficiency upgrades, mm-hmm. uh, which is great to see. That's what we're all about here. We just want to be playing simply the best cards, and if we can have more of those cards on average, uh, we'd love to see it. Uh, one of these is Overwhelming Remorse. Uh, this is going to be four and a black for an instant um, that exiles a target creature or Planeswalker. We're not going to be seeing any Planeswalkers in our format, but uh, this spell costs one less for each creature card in your graveyard. Uh, so this is essentially something that I would say is 
debatably a strict upgrade over something like a murderous cut, which we don't mm. actually even have in the format. So uh, this is this is very nice, but we're exiling, exiling, and uh, this can easily be a one and a black or just a single black. Yes. Yeah, I, I, something like this, I think, is is going to be a, a shoe in for at least all the rats decks we have. Uh, Conrad yeah. specifically. Um, and Grey Merchant are probably just instantly going to include this. And most black decks, particularly in CPDH, care a lot about aristocrat themes. I'm thinking even um, Tormod builds and things like that. They are all about filling the graveyard. You're going to get four creatures in there. And even if you don't, if you're casting this for three mana, exile effects are not that common. Yeah. Aha. That's the second one today. I'm on a roll. Please <laughs> replace me. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I might trade. I might trade you out for Liam. <laughs> oh dang! But uh, no, yeah, I a hundred percent agree. Um, yeah, even if you, you know, some sometimes people just hard cast stuff out. Yeah. If uh, if I have to cast this for four mana, but it exiles, I'm yes. not gonna complain. Sorry, Liam. Were you gonna jump in there? No, I'm just agreeing. Card good, classic, uh, <laughs> classic card, classic card good. It's yeah, also no, great it's to get really replacements good. for for all of the the older spells. I mean, even snuff out is amazing, but that non black trips me up so frequently. <laughs> so if we could just get these these new versions where in the modern day, uh, the, the color black can murder anything, um, and anytime we get an, an upgraded form of that is incredible. Or if you're playing, I, I know there's been some pushes to play um planeswalkers which of course we're not dealing with them at common uh, exile target creature or planeswalker but there are some cpdh you know rule zero decks that put the uh the war of the spark walkers at the front and yeah. having a way to deal with that at common is really really strong yeah i've i've uh since i've been growing my uh local group a little bit uh they've they've shown some interest in some of the walkers and i'm i'm mm -hmm. not against it uh personally so I've definitely been uh, slotting some more uh, eaten alives and feed the serpents into my deck. <laughs> and while yep. I don't, while I don't mind the eaten alives because uh, sacrificing a creature isn't that big of a cost in most of my decks, uh, feed the serpent being four mana yes. hurts a little bit. Uh, so I definitely like the opportunity to make it cheaper, uh, mm -hmm. even if it's at two or three mana. Uh, just the opportunity to make it not cost four, and especially double black, is is nice. <laughs> it's pretty great. I yeah. mean, we all know it's only a matter of time until Wizards prints a, a Planeswalker at the common rarity. So let's just let's all get on the <laughs> ground floor, you know, and I, I would overwhelming remorse. I would say let's wait for common legends first, but that happened all the way mm -hmm. back in Homelands. So let's wait for <laughs> common legends to occur more frequently, I guess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's it's only a matter of time. But before we go too deep down that rabbit hole, we should jump into the next card and probably the one I'm most excited about. Uh, bitter reunion it's one in a red for an enchantment uh etbs you may discard a card if you do draw two cards and then tap one uh sacrifice it creatures you control gain haste until end of turn this is amazing because this is a haste enabler the turn it comes down for all creatures so this is instantly making me think of the rocco cabaretti caterer deck that already saw a great new card with the Keldon Strike team and Dominaria United. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Granted, this is an enchantment, so you can't tutor it with Rocco, but having that redundancy, I think, is worth it, uh, especially because that <laughs> a green combo deck needs all the help it can get. So yeah. having redundancy on the haste effect is great, and hopefully this replaces, I think it's uh, Torch Bearer or Torch Carrier, the little Gabo 
that gives one creature haste, and so you oh, can hopefully torch make courier. Torch courier, yes, thank you. Um, that that can give your your elf generation, um, but you can't swing at them that turn. Whereas something like this is going to be incredible for for that. So bitter reunion, amazing, and I'm sure plenty of other decks will want to be able to sneak in a hasty hasty attack. Dargo is probably not going to find find room for this and competitive, but at casual no. tables, this is going to be great to be swinging for seven. Um, and any other red commander that really cares about attacks, this is great. We love redundancy. One million percent. I mean, it's an enchantment, but you know, this is a tormenting voice, right? Discard a card, draw two cards, mm -hmm. which is a card that I, you know, could already see seeing play. And like you said, whenever you need to, um, now we're giving haste. Uh, and yeah, it can sit on the battlefield for a little it while. It can sit, yeah, it can sit on the battlefield. Uh, we can, and this doesn't necessarily need to give all of our creatures haste if we're generating infinite creatures. This is just give, um, our uh, Malcolm haste so that it can yep. tap with a Viridian Longbow on it or something like that um, to enable a combo. So definitely a versatile tool and I think something that uh, a lot of people might overlook but uh, should try to include in their deck. I definitely think it's going to pay dividends when you actually draw it and are able to cast it for sure. Um, next up is a card that I want to talk about briefly. Uh, it's Clay Revenant. It's a singular generic mana for an artifact <laughs> creature golem, uh, a 1-2. It enters tapped, but I don't really care about those things. Uh, mostly I just care about the fact that you can pay 2 and a black to return this from your graveyard to your hand. Um, we have a bunch of decks that like to util utilize uh, sort of like yes. an aristocrat strategy, sacrificing things, um, whether that's just playing things like uh, Reckoner's Bargain and Deadly Dispute, or if we're actually going infinite and uh, getting the infinite ETBs, LTBs. And this is just another sort of reassembling skeleton type thing uh, that we can play on the cheap and return to our hand and have kind of an infinite recursion style engine. And I definitely think it just, once again, we're building out, we're padding out these levels of redundancy within the mm -hmm. format. And eventually we are going to hit critical mass or in some cases have hit critical mass where these mm -hmm. things are just, uh, you will see one or multiple of these effects right. every game. So yeah. what... What deck does Clay Revenant go in? Tormod. <laughs> Tormod. <laughs> okay. Yep. T Tormod. Uh, we probably got also Sir Conrad as well. Sir Conrad. Yeah. Those those are the two big ones that this is going to find a home for, particularly okay. because you return it at instant speed, so you can throw up a blocker uh, for Tormod, or you can make a two-two zombie uh, in in an opponent's end step. Uh, those are the two decks that this is going to see because they're the the two we have that really care about the graveyard more than anything else. Yeah. For sure. Okay. Um, Liam, would you uh, let us know about our next our next card? Yeah, sure. Uh, so the next one is Prison Sentence. Uh, this is the three-mana pacifism of the set. Uh, mm. So it is a two-and-a-white enchantment. Uh, the enchanted creature can't attack or block, uh, and also its activated abilities cannot be activated. Uh, however, the reason we want to talk about this specifically is it's got some pretty good upside to it. When it enters, you scry two. Uh, mm -hmm. It's not Surveil 2, it is Scry 2, uh, <laughs> but Scrying 2 is always pretty good, and if I'm trying to remember correctly, uh, Can't Attack, Block, or Activate Abilities is Caught in the Brights, which is also 3 mana, I think, is the right card. Yes. I know Caught in yes, the Brights we... stops vehicles, uh, so yeah, I, I definitely like this card a lot. Uh, it's some pretty good uh, white removal, uh, you know, mm -hmm. removal in quotes because it's white. Uh, but the the scry advantage is good. 
and and definitely also in mono white any card advantage they can get which scry is sort of kind of that it, you know, card selection uh yeah i definitely like it as a an option to be a little more aggressive with the card selection in the deck yeah white has been putting up numbers with a uh, card advantage recently uh, yes. So Scry 2 is, is amazing. I'm seeing this in Seder Enchanter, obviously, uh, for the enchantment type. But, I mean, it's no oubliette, but it's it's pretty freaking close with uh, can't attack, can't block, and its activated abilities. That's key, because a lot of these pacifism effects we see are just attack and block because they're from before the time when creatures had whole spells uh, <laughs> to activate on them. And there yeah. are so many commanders that really care about, uh, you know, doing something that isn't just attacking so being able to stop that as well is excellent the card i was thinking of is arrest not caught in the brights oh caught in the brights is the fun one where um i think if you would it if, exiles a vehicle or something yes yeah if like a creature if a vehicle swings you exile it or something like that it's essentially getting hit by a car which yeah is actually not that funny now that i say it out loud <laughs> You're disgusting. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I'm, I, I, I put this on the list. I mostly am just trying to continue to push my agenda because we, like I said, we have about four or five of these now that are um, uh, auras that uh, are not only a pacifism but also prevent any sort of activated abilities, uh, things like Bounding Gold mm-hmm. um, as well. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm slowly pushing the agenda that eventually we will get a mono-white CPDH list, and I think this Ooh. is going to help us get there. Yes. Once again, that redundancy. If we see these super powerful things that can completely shut down a board, and and I would say something you know similar to something like an Oubliette, um, being able to just lock something down on the board, it can't do anything. But uh, once again, we're not removing it with something like a red or a black removal spell um, so that the uh, you know our opponents can't just recast it and continue. Yeah. I'm kind of putting it, putting it in jail, if you will, mm-hmm. prison sentence. I can I can make <laughs> puns too, you know. Um, uh, sometimes can even be more effective than just say casting something like an overwhelming response or overwhelming remorse. Sorry, I can't even read. Jeez. <laughs> so anyway, that's uh, that's that's my that's my take on this one. Um, another one that I'm super huge on is the scrapwork ravager, which Chev did not add to our list of cards. Anyway, it is a, uh, <laughs> it's a. Uh, I think it's I believe it's four mana. For a yes, it's four mana for an artifact creature, Phyrexian Horror. When it enters the battlefield, you draw a card and you lose one life. People who have been playing DMU Limited probably very familiar with this because this is essentially just a additional mana for a Phyrexian Rager. But in this case, we have the Unearth keyword, yeah. which has come back in full force in this set. Um, Unearth is so good. It's just yeah, it's it's just pure value. Uh, this chump blocks for days. It. Uh, is great edict fodder Uh, it's drawing us a card we can bring it back when we want um and god forbid we're doing any sort of um recursion shenanigans uh don't tell brad that we're doing uh aristocrats and orzov things without him Um, but uh you know god forbid we're doing anything like that this is just going to generate a ton of value this is going to be a great pickup and unfortunately the unearth does have the uh black mana symbol in it so this is restricted to black decks but black being the uh, tied for first or a close second right. best color, you know, this is definitely something that's going to find its home into a lot of um, not only black aristocrat-style decks, but also just those best-of sort of decks. I could definitely see this being played in something like A Disciple of Deceit, which yeah. we discussed earlier. Yep. For sure. Jumping on to... Um, I, if, if this wasn't enough redundancy, we have a couple more picks um, <laughs> that are really very clearly, you know, you're, you're adding this to your selection of effects um in in decks that already run very similar cards this sets version of 
don't kill my creature in black and let it flicker instead is Ashenod's Intervention. A one mana black instant where until end of turn target creature gets plus two plus so and gains when it dies or is put into exile from the battlefield, return it to its owner's hand. So that exile uh, rider is not one we've seen too frequently in common. And this doesn't bring it back to the battlefield. But notably, if it goes back to your hand, you can play it untapped. Um, which gets into a, a few combo lines that we've seen once you generate enough mana in things like Cormella or um, other ones like that. Just being able to play your commander again or any creature again um, and have it swing, etc. Super good. I don't know what else needs to be said about this card, but if you're playing black and you care about your creatures or <laughs> anything like that, this is probably a card you want to consider. Um, in addition, more just please don't kill my creature things. Uh, mm -hmm. Lorian's Escape slash uh, also Gaia's Gift. Lorian's, Lorian's Escape, uh, singular white, target artifact or creature gains, hexproof and indestructible until end of turn, also scry one. Once again, white getting that uh, not pure card advantage, right? I don't think they're ever going to allow white to just straight up draw cards like they do for black or blue. Um, right, but, besides the, the spell in this set, that's three mana, instant white, draw a card. <laughs> yeah, only one card though, because and, and also three mana because you know it is. They, it is. they won't ever allow fair. white to just straight up draw a card as an additional staple artifact. Fair, fair. <laughs> yes, correct. Thank you, thank you. Once yeah, again, the peacemaker, <laughs> the, the, the PhD showing his, his knowledge here. Yeah. So Lauren's escape. Once again, we're protecting. We have things. We already have things like um, stave off and apostle's blessing in the format. But Lauren's escape is nice. Also gives indestructible as well um, in case there's something like a pestilence that's going off or yep. an Evicar's justice. Uh, Guy's gift. Uh, one in a green instant. Put a one-one counter on target creature you control. It gains. Count them off. Reach. Trample, hexproof, and indestructible until end of turn. Do you like keywords? Because oh boy, we've got green. All of them. <laughs> this this just gives you all of the protection keywords. Yeah, it's like just in case we're, we're trying to cover all the bases yeah. with this card. You can't like, target it. It can't die. Can block the next flyers. version will have if it would be exiled, uh, return it to the battlefield. Yeah. <laughs> I think the uh, I think the most obviously this saves a creature we have things like tamio safekeeping in the format already um but i think the the un most underrated thing is this uh, buffs your creature permanently one and also gets trampled so this can just be used as a combat trick yeah if you need to or if you just mm -hmm. want to get in for damage or whatever uh, and it gives indestructible so you can attack with impunity as well um allow me if you would gentlemen uh to go on a, a mild sort of discussion and liam i especially want to hear your uh, thoughts on this mm -hmm. um we discussed a lot of these picks are just redundancy, and yeah. some of these things, things like Lauren's Escape, things like Guy's Gift, even Ashnod's Intervention, um, we are Wizards is continually, quote unquote, reinvent, reinventing these things with you know mildly different riders depending on uh, you know what what sort of thing they're trying to do. But at what point have we reached critical mass, and should we just not care about these things? Because when when Chev initially uh, showed me some of these cards coming through. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Ashna's intervention. We already have uh, things like Malachi Rebirth. Well, that's that's not uncommon, but we have yeah. um, you know, uh, Armor of Shadows, um, Battle Rage Blessing, uh, all sorts Fain of death. Uh, yeah, Fain Death, Undying Malice, Undying My... Evil. Um, you know, at what point do we not need the <laughs> seventh edition of yeah. you know, uh, this dies and it comes back, or the fifth edition of I just want to make sure that my creature doesn't die in white. You know, we have things like, like I said, Apostle's Blessing. Um, Blacksmith's. Stave off Blacksmith's uh, skill, I think. Yeah, for um, sure. Um, I, I can go ahead and give you my opinion. Uh, yeah, please, please. 
I think that when it comes to the uh, black versions of these cards, the Ashlands Interventions, uh, we have like eight of these. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we, we already have enough wizards. Uh, you don't need to take the three or four different effects because it's always, you know, is there a buff or not? If there is a buff, is it a counter or is it temporary? Uh, mm-hmm. Then there's the, does it go back to hand? Does it go to the field? Does it come back tapped or untapped? Uh you know, does it come back with a counter, or does it not come back with a counter? It gets the counter when you cast a spell. There are so many variations of this effect. You could probably create 50 unique versions of this effect. Um, right. We don't need 50 unique versions. Eight is more than enough. Uh, the problem with Ashnod's Intervention, specifically out of all eight of these, is that Ashnod's Intervention is named. It can only appear right. really in Brothers War because Ashnod is dead. Uh same problem kind of exists for Lauren's Escape and Gaia's Gift. Uh, I think these ones have a little more breathing room because there aren't as many of these effects. Uh, in particular, mm-hmm. Lauren's Escape, they can always make white better, so I feel like there's a lot more breathing room in that effect. But the problem with these two is, again, they are Dominaria-named characters. One of them is dead. One of them is the world soul of Dominaria. So it's really difficult to It might be to hard re- to see that on Zendikar. <laughs> yeah, it'd, it'd be really hard to reprint these in a standard set. That being said... A lot of these effects that exist could be reprinted in standard sets. And for some yeah. reason, since fire design started, Wizards has been <laughs> allergic to reprinting things. Uh, you know, standard sets of old, you could probably find half a dozen to a dozen cards that were reprints, you know, with mm-hmm. new art or not. They were across all the rarities, they were reprints. Maybe not at Mythic, but we don't care about that. <laughs> since fire design, there's been like two, three cards a set that are reprints. And don't get me wrong, I'm, you know, I love that there are still reprints, but, like, can we get more? Because, like, did we need Ashna's intervention, or could we have used one of the other seven that exist? Could we, Mm -hmm. you know, I I get the people, a couple years ago, I think it was Throne of Eldraine, followed by Theros, both reprinted uh, uh, Thrill of Possibility, right? Yes. It came out in Throne, it got reprinted in Theros, and then it got reprinted again later uh, in another set, I think. And, like, people were upset that the same card was showing up in Standard. But here's the thing. It's a common, so it's there for draft support. And they gave right. it new art. They didn't, like, reuse the same art. They gave it new art. I'm completely okay with that. I'm completely okay if they, you know, reprint the same couple of commons every other every couple sets, giving mm-hmm. us new art, new flavor, right? Making it fit the world better. But it's the same card. I'm okay with that. That's Okay. You know, if we're doing that with the the mythic planeswalkers, the legendary rares, let's not, right? Right. But, yeah, the the ones that are are specific. Whereas with draft, there's yeah. only so many knobs to pull for the the cards that you're adding to make your deck function, as opposed to the haymakers. Exactly. I, agree. I think we should have lightning bolt and ponder in every set. I, I I'm, you know, I'm I'm in right. support of that as long as it looks like uh, shock and divination. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll, 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 I'll settle. We can meet in the middle. I'll, t- I'll take those. I'll take those. I, I think, too, this is it, it's bringing up something that, you know, EDH deck builders have dealt with for a while, and, and PDH and CPDH have not had the opportunity to, and that is decision paralysis. Paralysis? Yeah. Um, paralysis. Where you have multiple the versions. heck did you just pronounce that word? <laughs> the, the, uh, the fact you have multiple versions, and you actually have to think, you know, which one is going to be more beneficial to uh, your you- commander. I remember when we first talked about the Cormella list, we were wondering why more of these um, Ashnod's Intervention-esque effects weren't being run. And I, I believe it might have been um, Alcadron that, that, that pointed out to us that it's because of the untap rider. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. 
And so there's just so many at this point where you do have to put a little thought into it uh, as yeah. opposed to just being like, I need the, the three best removal sk- uh, spells at common, the three best protection spells at common, and uh, then we can move and on. There's, there's consideration I, now. I don't mind there having to be some thought to the deck building. Like, I, you know, I don't mind that, you know, oh, three of this effect exists. I'm just going to throw them all in. Like, you can't do that anymore. There's, there's eight or nine. You have to put some thought. Right. But the thing with that is, though all, the the differences between them is so minuscule. Yes. That it, that it gives you a headache. Can it actually matter? Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> You'd like rather I have look decision at these, paralysis about, like, sets of cards or groups it's, it's, that It's you're gotten to in. the point that I look at cards like Astronauts Intervention, and I'm like, okay, my deck needs four of these. There are nine. I go to my collection. Which four do I have? Those are the four I'm running. Like, <laughs> and you know what? That's that's not a bad thing. You know, it's it's preventing me from buying more uh, cards that I don't need. But it's also like when it gets to the point where the decision just becomes what do I have because they're also they're also similar. It doesn't matter. It's just like do I do do we really need the number nine or could we just reprint one and give it new one? Mm-hmm. Like I'd be okay yeah. with that. I honestly would be okay. You know, with with. You know, we don't we don't need core sets. I love core sets, but we don't we don't we don't mm-hmm. need them. If they just took the concept of a core set and split it across the four other standard sets, right? The core right. sets is entirely reprints all the way up to mythic. We don't need you know we don't need core sets. The idea behind them is is to provide a a, a grounded starting point. That's why like twenty twelve to twenty fifteen were almost so similar at the common rarity. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it the only real difference is really hitting once you hit rare mythic. Some differences in uncommons, but. <laughs> The concept behind that is, you know, you take the the hundred commons you want to reprint that year, put twenty five in each standard set, and you're good to go, right? Mm-hmm. And and you know, commons don't often need reprinted. I mean, there's certain ones like Lotus Petal that'd be nice if it did, but commons, you know, aren't price prohibitive. It's just, you know, pick the ones that you want to be in standard wizards, and put them yeah. in standard. Like we don't need new versions of every single effect. Right? We don't mm-hmm. need Lightning Bolt that is a single red and deals four damage. We don't need that. Okay? I mean, we don't, nice. we, we don't need Lightning Bolt, honestly. You know, <laughs> Lightning Strike and Shock are, are perfectly balanced. Right. Let's, ha- let's put right, those I'm, back I'll, in Hold standard. on now. I'm, I'm going to need you to take that one back real quick. <laughs> okay, look. I play Burn in Modern. Okay? So I feel you, but we don't need Lightning Bolt in Standard. Okay? We fair, don't. Enough, fair enough. Fair enough. Shock and Lightning Strike are fine in Standard. They're not yes, great. Correct. Lightning I, I would Bolt agree. would be I would great. Agree. But we don't need it. <laughs> yes, you're, you're correct. I agree. <laughs> oh, you know who does need shock and lightning bolt and lightning strike though? Ooh, is a uh, segue. Liam's favorite uncommon. Liam, are you finally going to break into CPDH with the third path iconoclast? Uh, I didn't realize that I actually got to pick. I just thought I had to pick off the options you guys gave me. Um, oh no! Do you have a, a different one that you'd rather do? <laughs> I don't know. I can look real quick. Yeah, sorry. I, I when I threw them up there, I was just like, these are the ones I think are are competitive. But uh, please replace them if there was one that uh, <laughs> you wanted more. <laughs> Third path iconoclast is cool because is it is dope. Uh, mm-hmm. If I was going to talk about one off the cuff, uh, I am going to just go ahead and casually mention that I am uh, personally crafting a uh, Mishra v Oza PDH uh, dual deck. Uh, Ooh, lists to okay. come, but that's not competitive. Uh, I did not realize there was an uncommon Lorraine. I thought she was rare. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, there's there's two in this set. It's very odd. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the one that I will mention, 
uh, is Battery Barrow. Uh, Ooh, so this one's okay. actually caught my eye, and I don't know why, because Simic is really not my jam. Uh, but it's two green and a blue for a three, four artificer. Uh, creatures you control have tap, add colorless. This mana can't be cast to cast a non-artifact spell, so power stone text. Uh, whenever you cast an artifact spell with mana value six or greater, draw a card. Uh, I'm not sure where this exists in the competitive realm, but I'm imagining uh, kind of Ethos one Sphinxy, but in Simic, mm-hmm. uh, where you have okay. a bunch of uh, big artifact beetles that just kind of keep ramping into each other. And with green providing early ramp and blue providing card advantage, I don't really see that being uh, too much of a problem, especially considering your commander turns all of your big beetles into cantrips. Uh, right. You know, it's it's not literal cascade like Ethos One Sphinx is, but I think it definitely has the power to get out of hand quickly. Uh, definitely at a casual table, it can get out of hand quickly. I'm not sure where this could exist in a competitive realm, if it even does. Mm-hmm. Y'all tend to be uh, more tuned into that. What do you think? So, um, a few thoughts on this. One, I, I definitely think that the CPDH collective meta, metaverse, however you want to describe it, um, is slowly but surely opening up to expand and include a lot more different um, strategies. Yeah. Obviously, this is large, uh, large artifact punchy. Um, one thing about Simic is that, uh, similar to EDH, it is just always going to be good. Um, so yeah. you can kind of put whatever you really need to together yeah. and uh, make this happen. There's a ton of just uh, good ETB triggers that now all of a sudden become mana dorks for you. Um, there are a significant amount of just large artifact creatures that you can put uh, mana into like this. I'm thinking things like Maelstrom Colossus because mm-hmm. Cascade is a fair and balanced mechanic, surely, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and and in something like this where we're, we're, uh, we're ramping plenty and we have something like blue, uh, we can always just throw in a few tutors and a combo that if we happen to, uh, you know, get them together, uh, we can just win the game on the spot. Um, but I definitely think that as the meta shifts towards being a lot more aggro, we're seeing a lot more... Um, uh, base red decks coming in uh, that are okay. really trying to just deal damage quickly and um, something like this that could potentially stabilize the board state and now all of a sudden uh, instead of attacking with three three threes we're attacking with three six sixes or seven sevens that maybe right. have trample or something um, assuming you can stabilize real quick uh, now all of a sudden you are completely controlling the board state and are able to uh, quickly dominate I would yeah say. Okay. And something else to note, too, is uh, the, the creatures can be creature tokens. So if you can make yes. some sapperlings or maybe some um, birds or something like that, uh, y- you can turn them all into sweet little lawn and war elves. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, so yeah, so that's that's the battery barrel. Uh, I, I can talk about the third path iconoclast real quick. Uh, so this is got the uh, cast a non-creature spell text, create a 1-1 uh, colorless soldier artifact creature token. Uh, definitely uh, feeling the young PZ vibes here. Definitely feeling the Talran <laughs> vibes here. Although it doesn't, they don't fly. Um, the artifact token is fascinating uh, yes. because there has to be something there that you can use to break that. Uh, I'm thinking, uh, what's the enchantment that you can pay a single colorless into, sacrifice an artifact or a creature, and deal a damage? Make shift munitions. Yeah, that sounds. Right I think to me. That, I think that, that I bought myself right. enough. I bought myself enough time to think of it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> podcasting like a pro. Uh, so yeah, so I think uh, there's got to be something that you can use with the artifact synergies. Uh, in particular, uh, if you think uh, 
Reckless Fireweaver. Yep. Artifact needs yes. to be dealer damage. So you start looping spells and Reckless Fireweaver starts dealing a bunch of damage. Uh, treasures probably go super hard in this deck just because if you're leaning into the soldier artifactness, uh, treasures mm-hmm. are going to be super dope to have. Uh, same goes kind of with clues because you got a little bit of blue but not as hard. Uh, blood tokens because you have red. Uh, stuff like that. But yeah, I think this is this is of these effects of cast a non-creature spell, make a token. This one fascinates me the most at Uncommon out of any of the ones I've seen because they have that artifact text on them. I, I, I would agree. I think... And there the, just has the, to be something there. <laughs> yes. The the adding a super type of artifact as opposed to tokens with flying for something like Murmuring Mystic and it's in two color really opens it up for all of the pingers in red. Uh, it, you can hit them in the way in with impact tremors, hit them on the way out with makeshift munitions, but yep. then you're adding all of those uh, artifact synergies as well. There's a very good chance you could be dealing three or four damage per creature per that enters the battlefield. Yes. And if you've just if and you're so, just loaded with cantrips, it's <laughs> lights out. Right. If you're you're playing curate, um, yeah. then <laughs> you can really get up to something. So this this has got to be probably of our picks one of the strongest off the bat, or more the most clearly strong. <laughs> I might consider building this commander. Ooh, okay. Uh, yeah, I, I would say this is definitely going to see uh, a home in the database. It has all the uh, the markings of just a super powerful commander. Yeah, and it's, we would it's love, two actually, mana. If Liam, you came through and just uh, you know provided us that list, so we'll, we'll be in touch. Oh goodness! <laughs> oh goodness! Liam. Okay, if I've got uh, that time. No, no pressure, no pressure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, blue red. This you can play. You know, basically a, a crackling Drake deck or even like a mm-hmm. Malcolm and Dorian mm-hmm. deck. Um, but now all of a sudden you're just generating a massive yeah. board. I think I think really the the only saving grace for me here, and I'm not trying to like be a, doom, a, a doomsday say or anything, but the only saving grace for me here is that things like uh, fiery cannonade, breath weapon, blazing volley are yeah. super prevalent in our format. So that will mm-hmm. keep this in check. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so so something something I like about third path iconoclast uh, a little bit over something like crackling Drake is crackling Drake might be immune to. Is, is Crackling Drake immune to the board wipes to, to Breath Weapon? And, yeah, and it's got four toughness. For, for the most part, yeah. Yep. Does it, its toughness grows? I feel like it does, right? Uh, just the power, actually. Just the power. Just the power, okay. So while Crackling Drake might be semi-immune to that to, to that uh, board wipes, and Iconoclast really isn't, uh, I like Iconoclast a little bit more because the thing with Drake is it relies on Drake, right? You you mm-hmm. need Drake out to, to deal that combat damage, and that just folds to removal. Yes, Iconoclast folds to more removal more easily, but the thing I like about it is if you're leaning into the artifactness of the soldiers, the deck is going to play a lot more like a Canlander deck, where the commander provides a very valuable piece of synergy and a very valuable uh, uh, engine to get running, but the deck might just be tight enough that it might be able to to pull some wins out, even if the commander's been removed a few times. It might even, with the right hand, be able to pull a win without the commander. Uh, it would take a it would take a very tight knit deck, uh, but with that artifact synergy and is it being so specific on those tokens? I think this specific commander and is it might be able to pull it off. I um I really like that take. I think Liam, you're actually picking up on something that we've been starting to see. Um, there's there's been a lot of uh, large sweeping shifts in in the meta since we've kind of started. Uh, following this but um one of the things now is that um in pdh and, and i'm sure 
you guys have, have experienced this over as just playing general PDH with the pod. Um, but the commanders in general, I would say, are just so much more powerful than any spell in your deck and usually so integral right. to your strategy. Uh, but we are starting to see decks that can function without their commander because a lot of times mm-hmm. something like an oubliette is so crippling because you you cannot do what you need to do if you do not have that uncommon on the battlefield, yeah. right? Um, but yeah, like you said, third path iconoclast, obviously this card is, is bonkers, um, but I definitely think it's moving we're moving towards a place where it doesn't necessarily need to resolve and be on the battlefield for a few yeah. turns for you to actually uh, right and, enable your gameplay and that's a topic that i personally wrestle with like myself just in my head because i'm like on the one hand i want my deck to be able to function without my commander i want my commander mm-hmm. to be a synergy piece to be a huge value engine that if i get it out you know boosts the deck i want that to happen but I also want the deck to be able to function without the commander in case of something like an oubliette that I can't deal with. But the yes. other part that really gets me is what's the difference between PDH and EDH or EDH and Canlander if my deck can function without the commander? Mm-hmm. I just have a special card that's guaranteed to always be in my opening hand? Like, that's cool, but what's the real difference there? I mean, the difference between PDH and the other two is that, you know, I'm using all commons with a single uncommon, but mm-hmm. big whoop, right? Like, what makes the format special is you have that card. So is it right. really a bad thing if you, you know, ca- if you can't make your deck function without your commander? Is it really a bad thing? You know, what if what if you need your commander? That's That's great. So it's like the one hand is the spirit of the format. The other hand is play functionality. And even when I, you know, get in the competitive mindset, I'm still like in my head, yeah, this is competitive. Yeah, I, I, I should make the deck be able to function out the commander. But dude, what's the point then? I might as well just play Pop or Canlander. <laughs> right, right. Fair enough. I, d- right? I definitely like, think that... like I, I, I can see both sides of the argument, and I can't put myself on either side of it. It's infuriating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that for for a majority of the people who enjoy CPDH, that that is the thing, right? The the play functionality is the spirit of the format so yeah um but uh but yeah no 100 percent. but I, I definitely think that uh like you said third path is definitely something that we could we could see moving towards that that sort of new evolution in the meta um going from potentially top tier meta to chev what the hell are you thinking of junkyard genius What's all right going all right <laughs> so i th- this is this is put together with spit and a, a, a dream um i've junk- seen a lot of duct tape on this one <laughs> there's there's a quite a bit so we, we've got we've got some uh, we've got some competitive ones here. This is this is my my dream um, competitive, and I, I think it's just because I've been doing a lot of Rakdos recently. But Junkyard Genius is one a red and a black for a two two that when an ETBs create a power stone, and then for three mana sacrifice another creature or artifact until end of turn. Other creatures you control get plus one plus zero and gain menace and haste. And what really has me interested about this card is obviously that that second ability. So. Coming in and creating a Power Stone is great because it helps enable your um, activated ability. Uh, but Anthem effects are still relatively uncommon. Three, yeah. three for three. Uh, and, and in red and black, where you can make a ton of really small tokens um, that can flood a board with goblins or skeletons or whatever. For three mana, they all have Menace. And they're now two ones. And you can do that multiple activations, right? You can tap your Power Stone and two mana and sacrifice the Power Stone. And then all of your guys are a little bit stronger. And you can just keep doing that several activations in the same turn. Or 
it can be another way to get haste, right? Because it can give everything haste. And while we haven't seen a Rakdos combo list yet, um, I think something like this is great in comparison to a, a Mayhem Devil, which of course is whenever a permanent sacrifice deal of damage. This can head probably a very similar deck, deal with all the same synergies in that, but also be able to swing in with creatures. So it's kind of a, a combination of you've got sacrificing colors that care about sacrifice, you have an anthem effect in colors that can benefit from it, and it's really just a all-around powerful commander that I think could be, with the right shell, competitive. I, you know what, I'm willing to, I'm willing to buy into this dream. You know, if I, if I was in the shark tank, I would, I would, I might invest a little bit into this. Um, I definitely, I, I definitely think that it's going to be more mid rangey sort of thing yeah. and um, a, a little clunky, but I think, I think we can definitely get there. Um, I agree with you. If we're, if we're able to generate a good amount of tokens, I'm thinking there's a lot of instants and sorceries that give you two, three, even four, right. like something like a goblin token. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that plus one plus so uh, generally that's doubling the amount of damage you're putting on the board, uh, and the haste and the menace, the menace is the hugest thing, um, for me. So I definitely think that we could get there. Um, uh, especially, I mean, uh, most of that will be off the fact that just there's plenty of good black and red spells that we can play to supplement our bad spells. Um, <laughs> correct. Yeah. But, uh, but you know. Uh, I'm I'm interested to see how this one might go. Um, I don't know about this one. Uh, I I definitely <laughs> like the utility of using your uh, power stone, your singular power stone from when the genius enters. By the way, mm -hmm. uh, to to both pay for the generic cost and the artifact cost of that ability. Uh, I I think it is very wishful thinking because the setup required would be immense and probably requires killing your genius a couple times and reanimating it to get more power stones i just mm -hmm. i don't know there's there's so, a lot of duct tape holding this together <laughs> the, there there is uh there is there is definitely in, in Chev, maybe it's a maybe it's a sign that um the the pdh pod resident uh, decided <laughs> that maybe this wasn't competitive enough yeah, that, I, that, that one hurts. I, will I think say, I think this definitely has has a home at the casual table, which you're always welcome to join. We'll, us we'll at. send it over to the pals. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes, but I, I I am unconvinced of its utility in a competitive well, environment. Last time this happened, I had to build a deck about it out of spite. So you might be seeing a, a junkyard genius <laughs> we'll, deck we'll coming to a a Monday night stream near you. But let's move okay. on to less wishful thinking. Uh, things like. Falaji Vanguard, Julian. Uh, Falaji Vanguard is uh, just uh, once again another one of these cards that we've been seeing a lot of red base decks and even some Boros decks. This is going to be a two, a red, and a white for a two-three human soldier. Uh, there's already some soldier synergies there. It's got first strike, uh, but whenever uh, it or another creature, notably uh, this is triggers on tokens as well, um, enters the battlefield under your control. Target creature gets plus two plus zero oh until end of turn. Um, similar to what we want to be doing in something like a Junkyard Genius, making a bunch of tokens allows us to buff up a bunch of creatures that we have. Our yep. creatures are already going to be um, aggressive and aggressively statted in Boros. Uh, I definitely think that this could just be something where we see just a very straightforward but potent aggro deck. Um, back in, I want to say it was... Uh, I forget if it was Dominary United or if it was uh, uh, Baldur's Gate, we got Tori de Avenant. 
uh, yep. which we both commented on as being a potentially very potent uh, Boros aggro commander. Currently, we have uh, Commander Liara Portier in the list, um, as well as uh, something like Azada uh, kind of functions similar to this. Uh, it's just another potential, and um, you know, even though the overall strategy is going to be similar, um, having a, a bunch of different options for kind of who's going to head your deck is always something that we're hoping to achieve over right. with with the format. Mm -hmm. But I'm more excited about Hero of the Dunes, aka um, <laughs> aka Paul, aka Paul Atreides. Uh, three, a white and a black for a human soldier. Three, two. When Hero of the Dunes enters the battlefield, return target artifact or creature card with mana value three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Drops mic. Creatures you control with mana value three or less gets plus one plus zero. Oh as a static effect. Now, five mana for a creature is uh, a hefty cost, but yeah. we are in white-black, and I'm going to be, I'm going to be, shout out to PDH Pod. I'm going to be Brad for a second. I'm going to be the, uh, the Orzov stand. Um, we have, as, as we already said, we have all sorts of ways to flicker. This mm -hmm. is an ETB, not a cast. Uh, we have all sorts of ways to flicker in white. We have all sorts of ways to sacrifice and return um, with things such as Ashnod's Intervention, um, uh, Feign Death, etc., in black. We are also, uh, there's definitely a bunch of tools for us to play a powerful mid-rangey aristocrat-style deck um, with things like uh, Burglar Rats, things like Fleshbag Marauder and all its friends, um, even all the Oof. white creatures that we get that now draw cards, Spirited Companion, uh, Priest of Ancient Lore, and then all of these are three or less, so now they're getting plus one, plus O. Oh, and we're doubling up on triggers with them by reanimating them. But also, since we're playing in a format where the general stat pool is so condensed, uh, you don't often see all things that are bigger than 4-4s four uh, generally. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, that plus 1 100%. plus 0 now all of a sudden turns a majority of our creatures, I would say, uh, into not just chump blockers, but things that we can just attack with. Because once again, we're going to bring them back right. with hero or other cards. Um, and these are things that now all of a sudden, in, instead of uh, our opponent... Um, uh, chumping or um just blocking them or us chumping with them these are now things that we can attack with impunity and they could potentially trade for a majority of the format um just with that singular buff so now all of a sudden we're dealing either real damage or we're taking out permanents on the board while furthering our game plan and we can just re recoup all these things and continue to get the incremental etb value um that has become so synonymous with the format so i'm huge on hero of the dunes i i think what really um draws me to to hero is almost the modality right because you can play Hero of the Dunes to get those cards back, uh, but like Julian said, you know you have so many other ways to do that already. Uh, this is an additional effect you know you have in the command zone. Um, I like this kind of as an equivalent to uh, the the Naya boss from New Capenna, Jetmir. Jetmir, where it sits in the command zone, and you, you think of Hero of the Dunes as a spell more than anything else. Yes, it's a great creature, but once you've amassed your board with a bunch of you know. Uh, two ones that draw you cards that you, you might just be playing over the course of the game, those are never going to be targets for your opponent's removal. Uh, you fill your board, then you can drop here of the Dunes, giving them all plus one, plus oh, and sweep for victory. Or when you need it to recur a, a key combo piece or a flesh bag or something like that, you can cast it from the command zone as well and flicker for however many times you need. So it's really a, a versatile piece that lets you do so many different things that you want while not needing to be on the, the battlefield for 90% of the game. So it doesn't draw the hate of your opponents, and you don't need to play it early to uh, get removed and then be paying 
seven mana for it the second time. Hero of the Dunes really has a, I'm going to cast this once energy going on. So with the Hero of the Dunes, I definitely agree. It has that that cast me once energy and win the game. Uh, it definitely, it, it feels a lot, It draw I draw a lot of parallels in my head to my Ruxa EDH deck where Ruxa more than anything, because uh, I, I leaned heavy into vanilla tokens rather than vanilla creatures with that deck. Ruxa, ah, more yes. than any, Ruxa more than anything is an overrun effect. And my mm-hmm. friend group knows it. If I am casting Ruxa, I intend to either win the game or knock someone out. Uh, and so, you know, I don't run a lot of overrun effects in that deck. If I think I run one other effect in that deck besides Ruxa. Uh, mm-hmm. Hero of the Dunes kind of gives that energy off where it's like, you know, I'm going to cast this. I may not win immediately, but I'm going to either knock someone out or get a lot of value off of it. Uh, yes. And I think that's the playstyle you need to play with this commander. You you need to be playing it with that mindset that you are going to cast this to get a ton of value and or knock one or two players out. Uh, I'm unsure if you could really build up an unchecked board state to the point where you could knock out all three opponents. Oh, this is PDC. Uh, <laughs> where you can knock... Yeah, okay, you can definitely knock out one opponent. Um, sorry, I mix up formats all the time. Uh, so, yeah. It, no in, in PDC, uh, definitely you can uh, play this, knock out your one opponent, call it a day. Um, if you are playing Hero of the Dunes for that Anthem effect and not the first ability, I'm going to point you to Minthara Merciless Soul instead uh, because mm. it does a lot of the same things. Uh, you're flickering Minthara or another permanent for ETB value, uh, but the Anthem effect is much more substantial over the game. Uh, and Minthara has built-in protection with uninteractable player counters, which is really nice. Uh, oh, so we love experience counters. <laughs> if you are playing Hero of the Dunes for the Anthem, mm-hmm. don't play Minthara, <laughs> because it's a lot of the same lines. In, but rather than instead of running uh, 20 flicker effects, you're running 20 reanimation effects. That's it. Uh, you know, you just swap the flicker and reanimation numbers. Uh, you know, obviously in decks you're still going to be running some flicker effects, and in Hero of the Dudes you're going to be running some uh, reanimation effects, but just just swap the number you're running. Uh, if you're running Hero of the Dunes for that first ability to gain some value, and the Anthem is more secondary to just do a bunch of damage, I think you need to play it with that mindset that it's only there mm-hmm. to be cast once you're winning the game, and I'm I'm here for that. I'm okay with that. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair enough for sure. I definitely, I definitely think that, um, I would not say that Hero of the Dunes is strong enough to stand on its own just with one effect or the other. I definitely think you need to utilize both of them to, um, to achieve the power level necessary to compete in this format. For Um, sure. But I definitely think that the versatility of that, along with the fact that just white and black together can form a very powerful mid-range to control core... Uh, this yeah, is definitely something that I'm uh, interested in, in brewing with. Yeah. You'll have to beat Brad to it. I'd be shocked if Brad didn't have a... a, a <laughs> he's he's got one this. waiting in the wings. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, let me, let me sure, check I'm, Mox I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Well, while, while Liam checks Moxfield, that that is the last card that I would like to discuss. Is there, are there any other quick hits that you guys want to do before we tie a bow on this thing and say that these are the definitive picks at least until people listen to the pdh pod um i i think personally yeah this is this is it this is bro has been a set of adding pieces to existing strategies for the most part um which i think is great because we don't get that too frequently and i think it's cool to spend almost a a a season 
as it were, at least until Jumpstart 2022, um, thinking about how we can upgrade existing decks as opposed to building um, new ones. And so I think this is a cool uh, opportunity to take this group of cards and apply them to the, the most competitive decks you have and see where do they fit in, are these helpful, and, and take that time to kind of curate uh, and move forward as opposed to needing to kind of test out new ground, which is a great experience to have, but at least for me, the deck building is the combination between trying new things and being able to uh, build upon what already exists. And I think this is very much the latter as opposed to the former. Yeah, yeah, I think I can agree to that. Perfect. Well, this has been the X Stringers House of Commons. Liam, thank you so much for coming on. It was a pleasure to have you. Absolutely. It was, it was a great we appreciate your. Uh, yeah, we appreciate your insight. Uh, and if I believe the PDH Pod will actually come out before this one, mm-hmm. so if you have not listened to that. Go on there. There might be some special surprises in store for you. Um, and uh, we're going to be talking about a bunch of other excellent cards to play at the Common Rarity. Um, but if not, this is the end. I, I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> this is when we, we stick out from behind the doorframe in a bathrobe and tell you to go home. At least until next week. This is the the PDH pod. Uh, we're not the PDH pod. You said the word PDH pod too frequently, and it threw me off. We're the Hex Drinkers House of Commons. I don't know. Liam is wearing off on us. Thanks so much for joining us. Good night. <laughs> Good night.